Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Women's hair in the 80s, it was like, just, they frizzed that stuff up. So, hairnet. I blame hairnet. Well, I spray that. I spray some hairspray on mine because this stuff that I use for my hair doesn't hold it right. So, I spray a little bit of hairspray on it and I choke half to death on it. So, I can only imagine what the earth feels (laughs) when every other house is doing it. It's dying, bro. All right, Twisted World fam. Hey, we are back next week's episode, and uh, we are again without our fellow companion, our good friend, Cody. Yeah, the man went back to California for the week. Just like two weeks, right? here's, Here's how messed up it is. Not only did he fly back, but he flew back and he took my mom and his mom, both of our moms, with him and his wife to Disneyland. And I'm like, this man is taking my mom to Disneyland. Yeah. <laughs> I'm stuck out here still having to work. And here he is off, you know, going all over California. No. So they were going back to visit, uh, spend some time with some friends this weekend and uh, decided, well, while we're out here, let's have some fun. And so I think they made a, a quick trip down to Disneyland, uh, took a... Uh, my mom and his mom, who are really good friends, and uh, yeah, a, had a good time. He, what an amazing wife she has! She's such a trooper. I mean, she's she is a uh, little ways along, with, and with you know, with their their baby and all that. And uh, she's like, "Heck yeah, let's go to Disneyland!" Like, you know what? I actually thought was funny. So my mom calls me a couple days ago, and she's uh, she's talking to me, and you know, she I could tell they're in the car and they're on the way back. And she says, "Yeah, we're only you know we're only an hour or two away from you know getting back to the house. We've been on the road all day because I was telling her I was stuck in traffic." And uh, she mentions that you know Cody and Sarah had plans. I think with with DJ and Ashlyn, and they were going to be playing some magic. And I was like, "Oh, yeah. oh yeah." I'll said I'll be playing magic tomorrow because this was Friday night. We were going to be playing at, a, at your house on Saturday. All right. And uh, she goes on to say that Cody had been trying to explain to her how the game works. And this is, this is your mom. This is my mom. Okay. My mom right. is being ed- educated by Cody on how the game works. <laughs> and she said she was, you know, kind of on board until it got to about, you know, the 25 minute turns that Cody puts in order. And that was where she was like, I don't think I can play a game if it takes you 25 minutes to make a turn. And I'm thinking to myself, neither can I. Neither can I. <laughs> um, and, and for those of you that don't understand what we're talking about, we're talking about Magic the Gathering. It's a card game. Uh, most nerds in the world know what I'm talking about. And around represent. since like 92, 93. Represent. represent. But anyways, um, it's it's a card game where you have a strategy and your your intentional purpose is to take all the life from the person that you're playing against. We start with 40 lives. They're very long games. Uh, I We've seen a game, I think, go six plus hours. Yeah. Um, it, it, they're very fun when they go that long. At the same time, they're very exhausting. Uh, and uh, But anyways, a lot of fun. Uh, Cody is the worst and takes significantly longer than everybody else to make his moves. And because of that, um, it's not fun to play with. Yes. He's a, he's a well thought out, uh, plans with stuff very intricately. Um, which is funny because his dad's an avid, avid chess player and, and takes his moves fairly quickly, but it is well thought out. Right. That's and probably so, where he gets it from. I bet you that when uncle Don, you know, goes out and, and, and plays the, these, these chess games that it, he takes his time. Now, I believe in chess matches, your moves are timed. There are matches be, that are timed, yeah. And that's what I'm wrong. saying. He's, he's, I think he's done it long enough that he, he thinks his, thought, his, his moves out well in advance and his, his counter moves if, if one doesn't work out the way he thought. And uh, he does make calculated moves decently quickly. Uh, Cody's still trying to get there. Yeah. So yeah, the uh, the difference between chess and magic, and maybe it's not really a difference, is that when Cody's done making his move, you've now like fallen asleep three or four times, and 
he makes you pay for it because every time he makes moves, which is like this big puzzle piece, you really have no idea what he's doing because he spent so much time trying to explain it out. And whatever the result is usually hurts you uh, or yeah. makes you not want to play against him. Maybe so, that's a strategy. Maybe yeah, we, should, we should reanalyze this. because he's One of the things I learned a long time about Cody is he likes to troll. And uh, so if everything <laughs> in life wraps around the idea that he's trying to troll you, uh, maybe these 25 minute moves are on purpose yeah. just to get under your skin uh, <laughs> to talk about them on a podcast when he's not around and can't defend himself. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, well, what are we talking about today? So, well, so I, I wanted to touch something about Disneyland cause uh, I, I wasn't my wife or maybe yours that was talking about, I guess they were in jackets or I don't know. There oh. was like pictures of them and they were in jackets. And we're yeah, like, <laughs> so they text us a picture of Sam's doghouse. It's a little restaurant that my parents owned in uh, El Cerrone, California. Uh, bought it years ago, back when I was, uh, you know, a little kid. And uh, it's one of the things that I've craved since coming out here. And I thought, man, I should have gone and had a chili dog before I left to, California. Remember? We were supposed I, to. I've never been, and I was juiced, and we totally yeah, forgot. Yeah, we got so busy. So Sarah had never been, and so since they were out there, they made the trip down there, and she's like, I'm officially a part of the family now. And uh, he was wearing a beanie in the photo, and that was what caught Julia's eye. Yeah. And he's like, ah, it's a brisk 72, right? And uh, the word brisk does not exist in Texas. Um, no, you go, no. You go from you, – you ever pulled a drink out of the, fr- the refrigerator or an ice chest and it's so cold, right? It's just so cold that you can just see like the, the, the steam coming off of it. Really not steam. It's kind of frost coming off of it. Yeah. And then in Texas, like you have that outside and then it, it just starts to drip. The condensation oh, yeah. is so heavy and you're like, okay, I'm going to wipe this off. And then it drips some more and then you wipe it off and you drip some more. That's what it's like to live in Texas and go inside and outside of a house. Yeah. Right. You, it's, you go, it's crazy. You, you you walk inside. So you, you're outside and you're sweating, dripping. You're like, oh God, I need air. You get inside. The air conditioning is so cold. It's so nice. But the problem is you were so hot outside that when you come inside, you now have this like condensation that like sticks to you. And so you really can never get rid of the clammy feeling of being outside in the heat when you come into the, so there, there's a, there's a lack of comfort that comes from having the air conditioner unless you yeah. run into like 50 degrees. Um, which I'm happy to do, but you know. Anyways, I digress. Well, uh, and, I didn't and move I, here because of the the weather, though. Just no, to throw no, that absolutely. out there, everybody's but, like, "Oh my god, it's so hot." But I do want to put this disclaimer out because I've asked numerous people that have lived here their whole lives, and they say, "Yeah, August, you can expect, you know, 100 degrees, 105 degrees, but it's been uprights in 110, 112, and it's been going on for months." And multiple people that I've talked to that have been here again their whole lives or a multitude of years have stated that this is not normal, right? No. That that they are, this is a, 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 you know, huge heat wave going on. Um, I know other parts of the country are, are experiencing a lot of different weather and whatnot as well. Um, but you know, like I said, the natives here that have been here, you know, their whole lives grew up here. Um, even, even our, our pastor Josh, big shout out to him. He, he had mentioned, you know, it, it's, this is a little bit above what they are used to. Right. Right. And so, um, and I, and that kind of, goes into what we, I want to talk about today, what what something I found. Well, first it started with a, a video. I think I saw it on TikTok or Facebook. I'm not sure. But it's this NASA scientist who chained himself to a Chase, J.P. Morgan Chase bank. Um, so this guy, it was, a, it was a few months back, and he has started this chain of events where scientists around the globe are protesting against different banks and things of that nature. And specifically why he chose J.P. Morgan Chase is my understanding is they are the largest funder of fossil fuels um, out of all the financial institutions. So he goes and connects himself over to this bank. And uh, so if if maybe we can get the link to the video when we um, when we post this stuff up on on social media sites. But you listen to this guy. And first, my first thought was this guy's possible kook like is this guy really a nasa scientist but yes lo and behold he is a uh scientist and his name is peter kalmus and he is specifically for nasa is a climate um he works on biological systems and climate change of nasa's jet propulsion laboratory system to be clear this guy isn't a former nasa employee he is a current nasa employee Current. Because I or, saw the video. Well, I don't know. I, he may not be. Yeah, I was there. I saw the video and I was like, first off, what is happening? What is this guy doing? Because it kind of cut off. Um, all second, like he gets super emotional and, and 
kind of slightly crazy in the video. So I was like, I mean, yeah. Well, and so does he really work for NASA still? Because I'm thinking after a video like that, NASA would be like, listen, it's been great, but um, we can't we have to go our separate ways. Right. We got to go our separate ways. Or um, how would you like to be on the first Mars trip? <laughs> and you get them off the planet. Listen, um, I mean. So I, I can't, I couldn't find if NASA let him go. Um, I'm assuming they'd have to, there'd be all I'm assuming, kinds of lawsuits. I'm assuming he's no longer with them after something this public. So when I searched it, though, it still states that he is a data, data scientist for NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratories um, and associated with Project Science Sciences at UCLA's Joint Institute for Regional Earth uh, System Science and Engineering. Current. Right. This is his current, right? Um, this is not, it's not showing, hey, did he get fired or anything like that? Uh, I'm assuming there'd probably be some deep lawsuits. If, but um, I'm sure there's NDAs. He, he had to have signed an NDA working for NASA. So if he's out here like, hey, you know, this is what I found in my studies, I'm sure it's probably not a good thing that okay. he's dumping so, that stuff out into the, the to world. To kind of Go squash ahead. it out so we make it easy for people. Yeah. What is, what is the message that he is saying right now? The thing that Great. he said yes. that's on YouTube and TikTok. Like, what is it that he's saying? And that's so, what we'll discuss today. So let, yeah. So one, let's let's go back to when did the whole global warming and that and the guy that was running for president, uh, what was his name? Are you talking about Al Gore? Al Gore. So Al Gore did right, the whole Fahrenheit like, 9-11. Yes, exactly. So that whole thing took place. He's now coming out. This guy's coming out and stating that we are 100 uh, percent scientists are being hushed to not talk about this, that. Global warming is only really the, the tip of the quote unquote iceberg that our planet, um, our ozone, the, the atmosphere that keeps us, you know, regulated with um, water pressures, temperatures and things like that has been highly, highly, highly depleted. And we are in for some massive like weather phenomenon deeper than what we're experiencing. So for instance, like I said, like we're, you know, all this massive heat wave here, it's been a hundred over a hundred degrees. Now, I don't think, had we even fallen under a hundred in the last three weeks? Uh, we have not. So no. right, right now, and I, I pull these numbers up for future argument in this, in this, because I tend to be on the naysayer side of this, but yeah, um, we are currently at 23 consecutive days. 23 consecutive days of in over the Dallas degrees. area, right? So that it's Texas, but right now, Fort Worth, Dallas area, uh, 23 consecutive days of 100 plus days. So it's a lot. It's a lot. I, I have an argument to kind of go against all this that I'll make a point with that same number. Um, but I say that all to digress is, is uh, that is it feels like an anomaly. And the reason it feels like an anomaly is because you're like, well, when was the last time something like this happened? Right. When was the last? I know that I saw on the news the other day, San Antonio was at like 30 something days or something like that. And it was right. the, you know, it was a lot that they had, you know, whatever. And so what happened, what generally happens with this global warming and the, the push on it right now, it's so in our face because you've got Biden and you've got other sides where it seems like global warming is a big press. But I just don't as an individual, it's never really been something that I've been hyper concerned with. Um, if, 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 and I, and I, again, I've not dug into the science behind it. I'm no scientist. I'm just a regular dude, um, that works in the IT information technology field. Um, if global warming is an issue, my question then is, is it possible for us to stop it first? Well, right? so that's, well, so his, his claim and, and, a, and a multitude of other scientists around the world are claiming that. Um, we have to limit global warming by 1.5 degrees Celsius for like the next, you know, one scientist said three to five years. This guy's saying we need to do it for 10 years straight by slowing down the, the emissions, which come from fossil fuel farming. Okay. Well, so, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't, it doesn't necessarily come from thought, just thought. Well, okay. I'll leave it there. Yeah. But here's my question. I don't know. I'm not. Where I'm does the scientist. largest Where does the largest amount of fossil fuel farming come from? Well, that's a great question. Well, I, I don't know. know. Developing yeah, countries. Shoot it up. Yeah. Developing countries. Uh, the United States is is already developed. You, the European Union, the UK, Europe in general, developed places like India and some of those other countries that aren't as developed as us are heavily 
producing China, heavily producing, producing those commissions. So we all sign on board for this. And we, if everyone, every single individual in the United States stopped producing carbon, it's it, not wouldn't be, it wouldn't be yeah. enough. No, this if every one of us plus Europe did it, it wouldn't be enough. So I, like I said, I come from a place where if it, it, it if this is really happening and we're really having this scientific re- report outs and the results of this is that it's it's happening, we're having degradation in this, and that we need to do something drastically change. I, I don't know that we can. So that being said, it's not going to sit on my hands. I'm going to make one of the things that it's kind of crazy when it comes to to human and human nature is that we adapt really well. Right. This is this isn't evolution. This is just the concept that we adapt really well. We can live in the coldest of coldest environments to the hottest of hottest environments. Right. Um, We is coming from California. We, you know, 70s, 80s is a really nice day. We would get a couple of hundred days here, 90 days in, in, in Vacaville. But for the most part, 70s, 80s, I, I, you know, we're pretty comfortable. We love that. But coming to Texas, you're like, oh, God, it's really hot. It feels hot when you're in the 90s, right? Because we, we're not used to that all the time. So, but I promise you, five years here, it's not going to be that big a deal. It'll be hot, yeah, well, but it won't be that big a deal. It's not going to affect sure. what we're going we're gonna to adapt. And if I chose to tomorrow to, to move to Oklahoma and live in the snow, I would adapt, right? And so... We have an ability to adapt. I'm just saying. <laughs> we we as the human society, not, I guess that's not everybody, but we have the, <laughs> the we have a strength and an ability to adapt to the situations in the current situations that we live and, in, right? And and let me just throw this out real quick because you're absolutely right. Because the um, like the I think his name is Antonio Guterres, the UN Secretary General. His he was quoted as saying, "Climate activists are sometimes depicted as dangerous radicals, but the true danger." Dangerous radicals are the countries, and this is where you're 100% accurate, that are increasing the production of fossil fuels. So, yeah, as America, we've we've dialed that way back because we are now a formed, you know, well-established, we're, we're solid in that. But there, a majority of the world that is still developing is, is producing these fossil fuels, right? Um, and that's why I think when you look at – it wasn't just this guy – in um i think he was in new york uh, i'd have to look go back and look at the article again but him chaining himself to chase bank um but chase again the reason he chose chase bank is because they are the top funder here in america whether they're funding it across the world or whatever the case may be of financial institutions that are funding fossil fuel um production but this happened i mean and this this one's funny i guess the the scientist in berlin that this because again this was done by a ton of scientists in different countries around the world, Spain, uh, the Spain, Spain Parliament, London, um, uh, Berlin, Berlin. So these guys glued their hands to the road to block a bridge. And so mm. they're, they're like, hey, we're effective. You, you can't move us. So there's pictures of these police officers scraping glue to get their hands off. Uh, this must have been some strong glue, I'm guessing. So effective. Yeah, they glued their hands. It's great. That's commitment. Um, that's true commitment. Yeah, yeah. Through a chain, let's just glue our skin to the asphalt. That's fantastic. <laughs> Sounds like a great plan. Um, I did did some research, and let's talk about global warming, for instance. I think a lot of times people hear the word global warming, and they go, "Okay, well, if that's the case, then why are some areas getting all this snow and extreme cold?" And what global warming means um, is, you know, well, let's just talk about depleting the ozone, right? It doesn't necessarily just mean that it's going to be hot everywhere. It doesn't necessarily just mean like heat waves, no rain, things of that nature. Where what these scientists are saying is that sh- extreme weather phenomenon are going to take place. So you're going to talk about heavy, heavy snowstorms that would have never and in, in, in recorded history. Keep that in mind; it's recorded. So. 800 years ago, who knows what happened, right? A thousand years ago, you, we don't know if maybe the same stuff took place. And that's the hard part is that, again, we're just talking about recorded history. But um, like what happened in February of this year in Texas, northern Texas, they had this crazy snow ice storm. And I mean, they had like a, a close to two feet of snow or something like that. Um and even the governor of Texas said one of the most significant icing events that's ever hit the state of Texas in at least recorded history. So right. 
you're talking about, we're not just talking about it being ridiculously hot everywhere. Um, you know, even though some other events that took place to kind of back this up, and this is separate from this guy's article and what he's saying. I just found a complete art article that talked about strange weather phenomenon that have taken place just in 2022. Um, there was a, I guess, Storm Izzy, which was the um, east, southeast of America. So North Carolina, South Carolina, Pennsylvania, Kentucky areas um, that brought in like mass amounts of low temperatures, high winds, snow and ice and um, decimated homes and left 100,000 people without power and places to live and stay and overnight had close to a foot of snow where they aren't prone to that. Um, You had uh, there was one in Malaysia. I think Malaysia was hit by like some crazy amount of tsunami floods um, and close to a quarter million people had to be evacuated. Stuff that they weren't that has never happened in, in multiple generations. But then you look at like Antarctica. Antarctica Antarctica is having heat waves. Now, heat wave to Antarctica is 70s, right? Right. Um, so they were getting into like the 60s and the 70s in Antarctica, which is, again, recorded history, never happened. Um, right. India in March had the hottest day ever it's ever had in 122 years. Sheesh. 122 years, um, it hit like, I think it was like 115, 120 degrees or some crazy off the wall number. Hottest day it's ever had in 122 years. Now, wow. that 122 years, by the way, is recorded history for them. So, and, and when we say recorded history, it's not that they don't have recorded history of events and things that have taken place. But it, when people started recording the weather and the temperatures, they've never seen this hot ever. Um, Mozambique had like more than it was like three or four cyclones that hit it. Uh, again, killing multiple people, just stuff that they never experienced. And they stated that the, it's, it's a result of the Indian ocean getting warmer, right? So here's this ocean that generally sits at a, at a cooler temperature and it's warming up. So these are just things that. Is it coincidence that this guy's out here saying, hey, we're being hushed. We're not able to talk. We're tired of it because we're trying to tell you that the earth is is not okay, that the weather is going to only get worse. He's not saying like, hey, it's just going to keep happening. No, he's saying it's going to get worse. Um, you know what it reminded me of? Did you ever see that movie? I think the day after tomorrow. Yeah, that's the one where the New York City freezes. And, and like you walk outside and you're instantly frozen. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the great, crazy. the great chill. <laughs> yes, right. So this movie's from like 2022, and 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 it depicts kind of, you know, extremely and and Hollywood esque way that what this guy's talking about, and that's what he's saying. This guy's basically right, telling the, us if we don't do, do something you, as a world, not as a country, as a do world, you believe it, man. Because, because I. I I, I'm, I tend to be more factual and relay on, on stats and statistics, Shh. historical stuff, but just off the cuff, because that was so just, I mean, if you guys haven't figured it out by now, we're on, this is episode 33, right? But by now I am skeptical of everything, <laughs> everything, right? My wife's like, Oh, Hey, I'm going to go get my nails done. It's only going to be this. And I'm like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I get a text. It's like, Oh, actually it was this, right? So I'm skeptical at most of the time, I'm not very um, open to new ideas that they're going to work out exactly as we envision them. I tend to be skeptical of most things. And then I like to do my own research really before. Well, I, I'll lie. That's a lie. I will say state my opinion on things. But most of the time, I like to go have research and say, OK, yeah. well, this is what backs that. So going back to the Texas freeze, right? It was a thing we all heard in California because, you know, the media kind of blew it up in a, in a certain way. and. You know, like friends and family like a, that were that were living here and experienced friends and family, it. people that saw it. I had family in Oklahoma kind of experienced the top part of that. And, you know, all your God is like, oh, my God, Texas is a hot state and it froze and there was snow. Well, you know, historically, that's not necessarily true. Right. Every five to eight years, they have a cold snap. It, it, it may not be six to eight degrees like it was during that freeze, 
but they have a cold snap where it gets down below freezing. I mean, I, I literally can li- list, I was listing things up just a few minutes ago and it was like every April, there's like three consecutive days below freezing, right? So freezing is 32 degrees. We're not talking about like the ice age, but yeah. 32 degrees. But historically, I pulled that information up. Like what was the last time that you saw something like six to eight degrees in Texas? Right now, it's uh, just 70 years. So it was a pretty, it was a pretty pretty big thing, but that's because it hit a big portion of Texas. Actually, there are there were cold snaps that were significantly longer, you know, because I think it was like 200 and something hours of cold weathers where power was out. And to be honest, with you if the power wasn't out, we probably wouldn't have heard much about it because the power going out mainly because of this new green technology, fans, hydro pumps, because although that stuff failed and they weren't using you know, fossil fuels or nuclear power plants, uh, we probably wouldn't have seen a lot of what the messaging we saw about how they were all without power. That, 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 it, it's a misguided approach to think that something like that green energy was going to supply the need in an event like that. It didn't. And so because it didn't, there was a fallout. That's it. That's what happens. 1940, it happened again. 1983, it happened again. 19, eight, or 1899 was the one that I saw was like the furthest back that I could see in the history of it. Uh, speaking to the heat waves. So I just told you, what did I just tell you? 20, we're at 23 days consecutive. Okay. How high, as far as rank, do you think that falls in consecutive days over 100 for Texas? And, and, and also, I won't even say Texas as a whole, even though that number is a little bit more exaggerated, but just the Dallas-Fort Worth area where we live. What's, where do you think in the, in the ranking from 1 to 10 that falls as far as the most consecutive days over 100? Uh, I mean, I, I'm going to say that they've, they've probably hit maybe two months before. Well, so I'm, I'm, and I'm talking three, just four, consecutive five. days. So yeah, yeah, out, yeah. Of, out of all the dates in history, yeah. right. It falls at number six, number okay. six overall. Yeah. When do you think? Okay. So, so, what, the, what the, was, so what was the biggest consecutive that, that, that Texas 42 days, 42 days. Okay. 42 days. So here, but here's the point I'm trying to make, right? We, in, in, in our own normal lives, right, when we see things like dips, in, and I'm ta- not talking weather, dips in the market, economy, dips in the market, we usually see a dip, I would say, every 10 to 12 years. Right. Right. Doesn't necessarily need a recession, but we usually see a dip. The market recedes and kind of goes down and goes back. Yeah. Housing markets come down, things kind of rebalance, and then we have a pop and we grow up to that next plateau, Right. That usually happens every 10 minutes. Well, I would say that weather functions almost in a similar way, right? So right now, it seems really hot. We're like, oh, my God, this is the hottest it's been. Oh, it's disgusting. When do you think the last, the date above that was? So I'm going to read the dates to you. So right now at 6, we're at 23 consecutive days, August 7th, you know, 2022. 27, or sorry, uh, 24 days. The, last, the one above it, which is at 24 days right now, was in 99. Okay. The one above that was 25 days in 1952. Then it was 98, 2011 at 40 days, and 1980 at 42 days. So what you see in that, if you break those numbers out and organize them, is about every 10 years, uh-huh. we have a hot year. So you're just saying it's, it's positioning of our planet, and that's what's causing this. Rotation of the okay. world. No, no, no. I'm not, me, I'm not, this is not me disproving... Right. This is me not disproving because we get it. They talk about polar icing and, and, and the water levels rising or shrinking, right? We're seeing like we're not getting as much rain and we're getting weird weathers in another area. So I'm not disproving that. I'm just using statistical fact to say that what is happening this year is not an outlier right now with heat. Specifically now, if, heat, yes. Specifically heat. But if we get into the winter time and we have another massive freeze like we had last year or even next year have a massive freeze, that would be out of the norm. That would be something that caused pause. And so I'm going to let you respond to that. But I have like what my approach to this would be as opposed to what it feels like the world kind of wants or the United States wants us to go with. Okay. So I just want to caveat real quick. Because I agree that maybe the, the, the extreme heats in Texas are, are not the end-all, be-all answer f- to explain, you know, anything and everything. This scientist and his, and his group of scientists around the world that are speaking out and acting out. But the one, the one I got to look at the heaviest, because it, I think it was like the 1940s or somewhere right around there with the, maybe the 50, early 50s, where the U.S. 
started the uh, U.S. Antarctic science missions, right? Where right. we have studied the Antarctic, you know, day in, day out. We always have teams there. In fact, when my dad was flying for the military, he did these things called the ICE missions where they would fly, the U.S. military would fly in, um, you know, uh, any kind of material or resources that the, the scientists needed out there. They would fly to New Zealand and, and, and hop over to Antarctica, drop the stuff off and dip out. So we, we have been studying Antarctica for a very long time. Right. And it averages since the dawn of us studying. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% lean ground sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca Cola, Pepsi, or 7 Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. The U.S. has averaged a negative 63, excuse me, minus 63 degrees um, temperature. And for the first time in history, it is, it was measured just this recent March, I believe, at over zero degrees. First time. So you're talking 70 degree jump. Right, seventy degree jump in the history of us studying Antarctica. So there is no trend. There is no like. Well, because we don't have a historical, we we can't go back. So when? How long have we been uh, looking at I that? I can look it up. I can. We have. It's probably a couple hundred years. No, no. I think it was in the fifties. Uh, oh, okay. Nineteen fifty-seven. Right. So we have nothing to go off of. That's kind of crazy because for Texas, they they were able to track a heat wave back to 1899. So, oh, we didn't, ha- yeah, but we didn't have uh, the means to be my, out in Antarctica my point and is, keep people alive either. We <laughs> may see true, true. We may see a pop or something like that historically if it had been done. So I, I mean, it's no, it's worth noting. The reality is, but based on your since the 1950s, um, the only way to disprove that theory would be to wait another however many years and i i use 10 years just as that was what i was experiencing with the particular heat wave right when i see things like heat waves droughts in california it always seemed to kind of go in that way right we would go you know we would go what god 10 years with little to no rain and then we'd have el nino right and then we would have right (laughs) right and then we would have all these other little things and then a big storm would come in um and so i i mean Maybe I'm wrong, but it always, to me, always seemed like these things come in waves, right? We get to see meteor showers every 75 years. We get to see this certain thing and constellation in the sky every 25 years. Well, if things were so prescribed that it was a 12-month calendar, you know, and we go from year to year, we're like, oh, God, this, everything's so different. We don't look at things. We shouldn't look at things in that lens. We really should look at things for historical, historical preference. Now, right now, if it hits above zero, this is the first time we've ever written it down in, you know, as far as documented history, there, it should give you some pause. Okay. So I'll agree with you. Let's give it some pause because we don't have anything historically to say otherwise. And, oh, and we won't for a number of years because historically, let's say we've been tracking this since the 50s, that's 70 years. Right. That means within the last 70 years, this hasn't happened. That means the next time we would ever be able to prove that this happens in a structured pattern or rotation means 70 years from now. So we won't actually be able to know that until 70 years from now. And the reality is that would also that would also mean that because this was just March, that would also mean that the temperatures would rebound to normal. And we would have I mean, even even if you watch it for the next three years. If temperatures don't go back to that negative but, 63 average over the last 70 some years, then what? why? What is it causing it? It doesn't disprove it, though. So the problem is, and I, this is where I agree with the take, is when you, when you only have one line of, of, of data with regards to the temperature changing, you have to react like this is an anomaly. Until otherwise said. So even if this lasted seven years and then restored itself, you may find in 70 years that this does it again for another seven years, right? But we won't know that because 70 years from now, we can't we can't react as if this is an, uh, a routine because we have no data to prove that it isn't or that it is. So that being said, I'm just saying people in Texas aren't freaking out about a heat wave. Of course they want rain. And of course they call it a drought, right? Because it hasn't happened for 10 or 12 years. But the reality is, we know that historically, this happens every 10 to 12 years. 
So once so, we get past the season, we expect rain, we expect things to go back to normal. And next year, probably not to be a, a 20 to 30 days, 100 or plus days. That's the expectation that I should have when I go back and look at the data since 1899. Right. Um, but I can't say that. Yeah. For, so, so, so going back to the polar cap, right? So we're talking about Antarctica, the degrees being above zero degrees Celsius. I mean, heck, we should have a lot more people down there doing research if that's the case, because we can survive a lot better down there in that, in that degree. But my take well, on every, global, I think every most country, most uh, first world countries do have scientists there. So it's not like it's just yeah. U.S. It's a joint coalition, right? That they that they my, study. My take on global warming for the longest time was it wasn't real. Right. As I agree young, with you. I was young, at one point too. As a young man, I was like, this is stupid. Why are we focusing on this? It has very little impact to what happens. This is yada, 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 whatever. But let's, let's just imagine that I, you know, let's lean on the idea that this, the polarized cap is shrinking. We've got video proof of it or f- photographic proof of it. We're measuring temperatures down there. It's changing, even though I can never go there and prove it, disprove it. I'm relying on someone else for their information. And as, as you know, in the world we live in today, everyone is trustworthy. Um, so oh, I got I to gotta know, though, I, I, I got to throw this piece out because you, you had 12 or 13 protests from, you know, um, I think Sydney, Australia, the UK, Berlin, uh, Spain, America, of course, multiple in America. Um, you have all these scientists, all these highly educated PhD scientists that are risking their jobs. They're risking being arrested. And they're doing all of this, and they're taking a hard, hard stance. And all of them got arrested. All of them, again, I can't find out if this dude's been let go or not working for NASA. So they've all risked their careers. They're, they've all risked their reputations. They've all risked facing criminal um, you know, uh, penalties. They've all done it. And they all did it within a very short period of each other. So you're telling me they're all just a bunch of whack jobs that decided, hey, we got nothing better to do. Let's all go chain ourselves. No, but you can't tell me that we haven't all of a sudden had a pop in uh, in, in our culture and society of protests. Right. You can't tell me that we haven't had this this pop in things like and, and I'll, it's kind of a going in a different direction. But homeless, you know, uh, you know, suicides, homosexuality, transgenderism, that we haven't seen an exponential growth in those things. And I'm going to I'm going to take a little conservative or a uh, you know controversial spot on this because of society, because of where it is and popularity and, the, and those types of things. I think you'll have more proponent people to say, this is what's happening. We need to, you know, get out in front of people because of the popularity and the attention that it will draw rather than the other way around. And I, I would also go to argue that not all scientists are created equal and that uh, they're probably not as created equal anymore. Uh, if you've been to the doctor lately, not all doctors are great. So it's one of the I, I tend to lean more on. I hear what you're saying. But when I see things like the BLM riots and some of those other things that happened this last year, um, protests aren't a aren't evidence of an injustice or a, or a, a, a message that needs to be heard. I think protests are a right that we have, and I believe that everybody should have the ability and the right to protest as long as no harm is being done. But at the end of the day, I don't believe that a protest is evidence of truth. And so I think it's an evidence of perception and maybe desired truth so you think we shouldn't take these guys serious all these people 12 to uh, 12 to 15 protests across the u.s of a multitude of different you know phd scientists um you know highly educated individuals in this particular field all taking a stance because i mean I would say that a majority of those if we did enough research you would find that these are people that were probably discredited or not really that deep into this the second part is is i would probably i would result in that again going out and speaking on this thing is not evidence of what they're saying so if they don't have evidence to back what they're saying and i'm talking about concrete physical evidence um and then once again the evidence that they're trying to disprove is also coming from a group of people that something i can't disprove i'm going to say there's no way for me as a person to be able to believe either side Right. The uh, I heard this argument one time from a buddy of mine, Gabe, right, where he was talking about flat air theory. Now, I know he doesn't believe in flat air theory, theory anymore, but the idea was, how can you, meaning me or, or Aaron, how can we disprove flat earth? 
I, you're right. How can I? Now, Cody's argument to that was, well, I, I got up on a plane and I skydived. You can see the curve. You can see it, right? Uh, right? I got to see things from a different perspective. And because I was seeing it from a different perspective, I, I, you know, so there, there's, a, there's a level of faith that, that I have in that the earth is round because it, because it makes sense and because of yeah. what I've learned and what I've seen and what I can represent in the sky. Think, you know, that the sun moves and the earth moves and how is that being done? It, it makes sense to me that the earth is round. But can I prove that the earth is round? Maybe not. Probably not. So I wouldn't be, would it matter if I went out and started arguing and chaining myself as a person who, you know, has skydived and telling people like Cody goes and chains himself to a building and tells everybody that the earth is actually flat because he skydived from a plane and saw it. The only way that I could truly know that he's right is if I go and do it too. And so when somebody says something like, again, I didn't actually get the message because the video cut off from this guy's arguing, but they're saying things are getting bad. The ozone layer is breaking apart. The ice caps warming up. Things are melting. This is this and happening. If we don't make changes, we're all going to die. There's going to be fuel shortages. We're going to have we're going to have loss of life. I can do one of two things. I can believe and and do what? So either I believe them, but what can I do to make a change in that? Or I don't believe them, and I continue. Actually, maybe it's three part. I don't believe them, and I continue on doing what I'm doing, and life continues because I don't believe that this is really happening. Or there's the third, and that is, is that maybe I believe a portion of what they're saying, but rather than spending my time trying to reduce what is already inevitable, that I make the ability for accommodations to be made to make it adaptable, right? Um, I'm going to use probably the wrong terminology or the wrong story to use, but in the sense, I think about like Noah and the flood from the Bible, right? Noah knew the flood was coming. It was inevitable. There was nothing he could do to convince God otherwise to do that. He just prepared for it. All he could do was prepare for it. He was supplied the wood. He made the boat. His family helped him. They got the, the animals came, they got on the boat and they sat there waiting until the flood came, but they were prepared and they adapted to the situation. They were called crazy. They were seen as, as outliers and weirdos. There was all these things happening, but yet in the end, the flood comes, the boat is there, it's prepared, and they adapted to that situation, which allowed them to continue on. And so I come with the pretense of that ideology. I can't disprove that the earth is warming. I can't prove that it's warming, but sitting on my hands and doing nothing doesn't make sense. And so the idea in that is, okay, can I stop driving a gas car? Can I stop doing this? Can we get all these fans? Is it really going to make a difference? If everyone in the United States stopped and everyone in the UK stopped, it would not slow down the warming of the earth because growing countries aren't going to because it's the only way they could grow. They need the capabilities. Right. right? We would have to. We the the first world countries would have to help them not do it in order for that to happen. And that's just reality. But but they're trying that. Right. You've got things like the Davos Convention, right, where they're actually trying to do that. And there's just not enough there to come. You're, you're talking about a tr- like a trillion dollar investment more, right? into, green, into green energies just from like our perspective. And right. it's not going to make a difference. Realistically, you would require every human on Earth to not be here for this to actually be successful. That's, hey, that's, I, yeah, go ahead. I just, you, know, you know who I blame, though? If this stuff goes down, you know who I'm going to blame Bill Gates. For, for the ozone? Uh, no, I just mean, <laughs> aliens, maybe. No, seriously. Oh, um, God. Uh, they, they're trying to shut us down, bro. It's easiest way, right? Kill our atmosphere. Um, no, you know what? My wife, she, she's all about her hair, always has been. And she told me like in the 90s, she was like a can every other day of that uh, hairnet stuff, right? And oh, so, stop. Bro, she was using some, you know, she was killing the ozone. And I can't imagine how many, you ever seen women's hair in the 80s? It was like, just, oh, yeah. they, they frizzed that yeah. stuff up. So, hairnet, I blame hairnet. Well, I spray that, I spray some hairspray on mine because this, Stuff that I use for my hair doesn't hold it right. So I spray a little bit of hairspray on it and I choke half to death on it. So I can only imagine what the earth feels when every other house is doing it. It's dying, bro. Even if I stop, nothing changes. And that the survivability of humans should be more important than the earth. In my, I mean, maybe they're tied together, right? But 
I can't sacrifice all of this stuff only for us to have a deep freeze in 2022 or 2021 where the half the the state of Texas is without energy because we decide to go on full green energy and people die because it's cold and freezing and all these things happen. I, I can't sacrifice that for what's to come that I may never be a part of. It may be hundreds of years before this actually happens. But what I can do is I can focus on things that can help our our population, our human society, succeed and survive. So things like seawalls, right? If we know that the oceans level are rising, how many cities and countries are on the coast that are eventually going to get swallowed up by the ocean, right? And so there there are some countries that are putting seawalls in place, making them higher and whatever to sustain the growth or the, the survivability of those, even if the sea rises. Why aren't we making suggestions for those things? Why are we not structuring more boats or coming up with with certain plans for those types of things? Moving people inland, getting them off vaults. Maybe it's not possible. Maybe. But I I think things like cities and states reinforcing the perimeter of who they are as far as protecting from those inevitable natures of the water rising and the the weather. Maybe maybe we got to do something about how hot it gets. Maybe stop people from making air conditioners and running. Like, I'm sorry. We're being told in California, we can't run – you can only charge your car or run your electricity. You can't do both. Right. Uh, I'm sorry. Why not build out the infrastructure the way it needs yep. so that we? it's not going to be uh, – if I can't run my conditioner now, what's the point of not being able to – what's the point of being able to run it 15 years from now because it's a couple of degrees cooler outside? We're not going to be able to reverse the course action on this if it's true. Right. And I'm still I'm still on the fence of it all. Right. Yeah. Um, mainly because it's maybe it's just something that's not in my eyes and not in my face. I'm not I'm not approached with it. I'm sorry. Hot weather to me doesn't say that the earth is, you know, falling into this open abyss. And one day our ozone's just going to disappear. Maybe it will. Maybe we'll have to live underground, you know, oxygen chambers. I don't know. But the reality yeah. is none of that is evidence to me that I need to make a change right now that's going to make an impact. But you're always hearing the messaging that we have to have a great reset. Right, we gotta have a great reset, and if we reset, everybody gets back to the same, and then we can all just join in on this, you know, kumbaya, da 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 da. And the reality is, I don't think that that's ever going to happen. So you've got two, fa- you got three factions. You got people that want to make preparations to survive it. You got people that don't believe it and aren't going to do a dang thing. And then you've got the group of people that believe everything has to be blown up. We have to live off the earth in all of our capacity so that this earth can survive. And then you have Elon Musk who wants to go to Mars because he doesn't want to be here anymore. Okay. So I guess my question is, is how do we go forward? What do we do? How, how, how do I know if global warming is really a thing? Well, I guess we uh, sit back and wait and see what happens. But maybe we never live it in our time. So then there, <laughs> right. therein lies the problem, right? Now our kids are going to grow and they're going to live past us. They're our legacy. What am I leaving for my kids? Should I fear that the earth is falling apart or should I allow for accommodation? Like, Again, I think the position that I take as a skeptic, 100% as a skeptic, is be prepared. Yeah. My my family likes to go to Disneyland. I, not so much, but my family likes to go to Disneyland. As a, as a person that's never been to Disneyland, Aaron, I can tell you, here's what I would tell you from experience. It's a great place. You're going to enjoy it. You're going to have a lot of fun. Maybe once. I'm Maybe never, a couple of times. I'm never going to see you, bro. I, uh, you'll, you'll, I listen, that conclusion. We'll, we'll make we'll make <laughs> it happen. But here's the deal: you, you'll go and you'll experience it. But I promise you, this is what I'm going to promise you right now: save your money before you go. Be prepared. Yeah. Like have a grip of cash because it, it, you got to fly, you got to stay in hotels, you got to oh. rent a car, and then the day at, one day at Disneyland's like two grand. I'm just saying, prepare yourself. And if but if if I don't want to be the guy that goes to Disneyland and didn't save any money, didn't prepare for the trip. And then I'm like, oh, crap, this is a $5,000 trip and I've got 20 bucks in my pocket. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I also don't want to be the guy that goes, it's not, it's just not co- like, okay, it doesn't cost $5,000 or sorry, believe that it costs you know $8,000 to go to Disneyland and you get there and you realize it's only $3,000. And now you spend 8,000, you have $8,000 that you've spent on things to go to Disneyland and you don't get your money's worth for it. And now you've wasted all this time and money when really it's not an $8,000 trip. It's really like a $3,000 trip. So in turn, I think that really comes back to the idea that be prepared for what is to come and the things that you don't know what to expect. 
So experienced experienced <laughs> people such as myself going to Disneyland are telling you, Aaron, it's expensive. You need to save Be money. prepared. Yeah. Be prepared. No, right. Absolutely. There's going to be absolutely. outliers that go, oh, God, this is going to be the most expensive trip you've ever taken, Aaron. And if you don't save ten grand for a two-day trip, trip to Disneyland, you won't survive. So you have to believe whether or not my take on it is true compared to that person's take on it. And as a person that's never really thought about it, probably will go, probably won't go, don't really care, doesn't really matter. I don't really want to spend $5,000. But, you know, you have to decide as an individual on that level what to do and what direction to go. And so I tend to lean more towards the side of being prepared for the worst case uh, scenario. Oh, absolutely. That was my long way around getting to global warming. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I I wanted to pull up while we're on the phone, because, you know, we're we're right outside Dallas. So looking at trends, right? Um, And I pulled up some weather patterns. So 2021, February, had that, like, that 14, 20, low 20s. And I think that's when a lot of the... um, like the big snowstorms happened and everything they were talking about, right? Um, 2022 was, I guess, normal, right? 30s, uh, back up and down to 70s, things like that. So I guess what we'll do is, you know, we'll see what happens this February timeframe. Um, and will it be extreme again? Will it be, because I've looked back, they did they didn't experience that this or you know particular drop in weather for at least the last ten years. So it was the lowest in a decade. Low, uh, lowest temperature, but they did have a dip. So I talked to Pastor Josh, and I was like, "How often does this happen?" He said, "The last time we had snow was like eight, five to eight years ago." Right. So he couldn't give me an exact time point, but he said it's in between that five to eight years ago. They had, they had, they had one had day snow. when it was thirteen degrees, though. Looking at it, at six, I found it six degrees. Oh, I didn't, it, yeah. What day was that? Okay. Uh, I don't know I'm what day it was, but when I was looking at it, set, it set a record um, at the first time since six. like 1946. Ooh. It hit six six degrees. Uh, and I think that was actually <laughs> Abilene, Texas. Um, so it's okay. a little, little bit little. more south, but Texas wide, that was yeah. the one that was a record setting um, temperature. Uh, but yeah, when, when talking to people that are local that have lived there here their whole lives, I said, well, how, how long ago was the last time you had snow? And he goes, oh, well, we had it last year. He goes, but before that, it was probably somewhere between five, eight years ago. Uh, so that's about what you should expect for it to come back, right? So okay. they have a, an agreement in, in, the, in the, how they, they live here, realizing that every five, six, seven years, um, they have snow, and they're not surprised by it. I think the people that tend to get surprised by it are younger because they haven't experienced it a lot or those that have moved from out of state. Um, I work in, again, the IT industry and of the like six people that I work with, only one of them is a native Texan and every one of them was like, Oh God, the freeze was the worst thing you've ever seen. And the person <laughs> that was here was like, yeah, it was pretty bad, but we, we have cold spells like that. Maybe not to that degree, uh, you know, once every 10 years. And so I was like, oh, okay. So, you know, it depends on the perce- perception of the people we're coming from California. Oh my God, we get you, you, Texas froze. Oh, it's always hot and muggy in Texas. And these are people that most of them probably have never even been sure. to Texas. Straight perception. Yeah, for yeah, sure. never been to Texas. You know what? I'll be honest with you. Texas is hot and muggy. It's well, I mean, I, I was out here, uh, you know, for our honeymoon and the Christmas day. Was it, it, was like like 70s? it was like 80. It was 80 yeah. degrees on Christmas day, yeah. high 70s the entire time we were here. Um, so, you know, which is, which is funny because December back in california where we were from you know you get to 30 40s so it's just it's just different but i'd be curious to see what happens um i i I don't know my gut is with this guy and all his scientists as we wrap up here just my from what i'm seeing um a lot of these activists and what they're saying you know if it was just this one kook and like four of his friends chaining himself to um this chase manhattan bank okay um but it's and and maybe you're right. Maybe it's some protest thing where everybody wants to be a protester. But again, I'm looking at that they're, they've jeopardized heavily their jobs, um, their careers that they went to school heavily for, the reputation. Because if this guy gets canned from NASA, ain't nobody going to hire him again. Well, what's he going to do? You know, flip burgers at Burger King all because he wanted to go right. out and have some fun and chain himself to a bank? No, I mean, there, there has to be some validity to what he's saying. That, uh, 
that's again, he's educated enough that he had to have known he was going to jeopardize everything to make this stand. And he must have been passionate enough to make this stand, not just because he wanted to protest. But that's just my point of view, in my opinion. And then all these scientists across the world that are doing the same thing or have done the same thing right around the time he did it. So um, curious to see what happens. I am too. And I want to make one last point, kind of going back to your last point of uh, we're talking about the freeze and stuff. We, we, yeah. we talk about Texas, right? And so we look at Texas as a hot state and we take We look at Texas from a very conservative kind of hue as far as the idea, you know, that we have, you know, and I say democratic and conservative Republican views, but Texas is one of the leading states with regards to green energy. Did you know that? No. Good to know yes. that. 1999, George W. Bush signed into law a, a, a deregulation of the state's park, uh, power market, meaning that we didn't have something like a big PG&E that owned 90% right. like you did in California, right? So you had a deregulation. And then on top of that, as part of that same law, he provisioned what he called renewable energy, right? He wanted a capacity. So by the year 2009, he wanted the capacity of the renewable energy market to be about 2,000 watts. Uh, and it ended up coming actually four years before that in 2005, right? After Bush left, the successor here, this is back when he, I think he was governor, right? He was a governor of Texas, George W. Bush. Uh, it was followed up by, by Governor Rick Perry, where he raised that bar. He wanted by 2025 to have 10,000 megawatts of electricity be generated by green energy. Well, last year, or sorry, in 2016, they hit 19,000, right? So you have one of the largest markets for green energy in the state of Texas. Here's what's different. The last time we had a big freeze like this, we were not running on renewable energy. We were running on carbon fossil fuels. Yeah. And so a big proponent and I think a reason for why it was so drastic is not the weather itself, but was the result of what the weather caused to this renewable energy. And so that's where I get stuck in. I like the idea of green energy. I think it's fantastic. I think it's fantastic as a supplement. I don't believe that we should be going away from nuclear power plants and fossil fuels and fracking, which is far. Actually, fracking brings fossil fuel emissions way down, by the way. If you've never really looked into fracking, it actually reduces the emissions that are generated during the process of, of generating fossil fuels. But anyways, it, I don't think we should be going away from those things, but I think that electric cars – and and hydro pumps coming from dams and lakes and those those what do they call those big fans that they use for the windmills to to generate yeah. wind and you know and solar <laughs> i don't think any of those things should be negated i'm not a disbeliever in the idea that we shouldn't invest into these things but we should not invest into these things with the idea that we need to go away from fossil fuels another yeah. statistic that i throw out there is that the united states is actually when i think it, if i was reading we have the most fossil fuel in the world. I always thought it was like the desert, right? Sedan or whatever it was. Um, there's, I can't remember the country we all buy oil from the, uh, over there. It's not Pakistan, but it's in, in Egypt, near Egypt somewhere, but we buy, uh, my brain is all over the place, but anyways, we buy oil from them. And I always thought that we generate the most oil in the world. Right. No, I know. We, but we don't we get, do anything with it. That's a whole that's a whole other argument for another day because right? at the end of the day, that's it's it's crazy how much money we spend buying but, oil from other countries. And I agree that's a whole nother topic. But yeah, the point I'm trying to make on it is a lot of these things feel there. a lot of these things feel politically driven with yeah. regards to oh God, it's so hot outside. Well, if we all went green energy, this wouldn't happen. Yeah. And, and that, the reality I, is I, I don't believe it to be true. And I agree with you on that aspect. Um, but these, again, I'm just I'm looking at the world wide, you know, uh, these scientists across the world that have stepped out and done this in a multitude of different countries. Um, and I don't I, I don't know. I, I just have to I have to feel like there's definitely some validity there. There has to be something that they've seen or and studied again in all their time doing this and i mean this guy this guy's i guess moderately young uh i think he's in his 30s but there was there's a handful of others that are all phd been doing this a long time in their 40s and 50s that stepped out and did it too so we're not just talking about like this is like some guy that's only been doing this for 10 15 years no we're talking about people that have been doing it for 20 and 30 and um are they're taking this aggressive stance and the belief that they're tired of being quieted they're tired of being pushed out and that and saying you know being told hey you know, keep this under wraps type thing. And so they, they did this protest. And I just, is there a portion of it that it could be a, a show? Yes. But 
part of me has to believe that it, it, it has stinted from something that they truly, truly believe in. And um, again, it, it'll be it'll be quite wild to see what transpires, right? Uh, we'll see. Hopefully, we get snow for Christmas. That'd be great. Dude, that would be great. I'd be down yeah. for some snow. I'd yeah. also be down for some rain. Um, yeah, that'd be cool too. You know, not yeah. 100 degrees. That'd be fantastic. Well. Yeah, so. yeah. We just some rain. Just some Anyways, rain. Uh, we, uh, you know, great episode. We miss Cody. Um, he'll be back. Hopefully, when does he come back? So right. Cody wasn't here. Hey, Cody, you there? Check, check. Oh, no, he doesn't really talk a lot on episodes anyway. So he's I figured still, he's, he's still taking his, his he's still taking his turn on magic. Yeah, yeah, that's that's we've been waiting this whole time. We actually decided to record this while playing a game with him. Yeah, so our episode, uh, we, we better get back to the game. That's right. <laughs> Anyways, hey, Twister World fam, as always, we love you. We'll catch you next time. We're out. Peace out. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% lean ground sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca Cola, Pepsi, or 7 Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.